Hi, welcome to 1001 Books Podcast, the podcast where we read the 1001 books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they're really worth your time. I'm Nicole. I love fiction about social issues that makes me think. And I'm Chelsea. I'm a lover of fantasy with a strong female lead and a new mom desperately trying to find time to read. Welcome to our 58th book. Woo! Um, Before we get into it, what else have you been reading lately? I um, am reading currently Guards, Guards by Terry Pratchett. So it's one of the entry points into his Discworld series. And my brother, uh, Ryder, and I are reading that series. We're going to read it together. And so we really enjoyed, we did a thing with that with Goosebumps this last October where we read some of the Goosebumps books (laughs) together and talked about them. So this time around, we're doing more of an adult fantasy series but still just kind of a silly fun yeah no I really like it it um writer got me into it by saying that it's very reminiscent of uh Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy but more heavy fantasy than that yeah um and I would agree the writing is um you definitely have to read 50 pages at a time like you can't just like Mm. at least at the beginning I couldn't just like jump in and read a chapter like it took me a minute to get into kind of like the absurdist Terry Pratchett the modern day Dickens (laughs) (laughs) but I really do enjoy it a lot so what about you you know your brother is one of the only people I know that can outread us he reads so many books every year writer cannot read us without even trying so you know there's that yeah it's wild um, one fun one I've read recently is called Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McKeeston. This is a young adult book, and it's it's just like it's just fluff. <laughs> it's really fun fluff. It's about uh, the Prince of England falling in love with the son of the U.S. President. <laughs> nice. Um, and it's it's kind of set. She wrote it in 2016, and so it's set in a world where Trump didn't win the presidency, and a woman won, not Hillary Clinton, but a woman. And um, who has like adult children, teen children. And and then it's like about their, you know, secret love affair. And like then it's a it's a LGBTQ story. And it's just fun. I think I read it in one day. Nice. <laughs> it's basically it's like a slice of cake. You know, yeah. it's like nice. <laughs> Every once in a while you just need one of those. Yeah. Books. And the author has another book that's just come out called The Last Stop. And so I'm looking forward to re- reading Nice. That. Well, yeah. So what did we read this week? Um, our book was called Chrome Yellow by Aldous Huxley. He's an English author, most famous for Brave New World. This book is his very first book. came out in 1921, and it's pretty short, 143 pages. Yeah. Uh, my one-word description for this book is modern. Not in the sense that it is modern, but in the sense that the characters think that they're very modern. And my one-word description is character study. So I'm doing in a cold sheet, do a two-word. <laughs> character hyphen study. Study, yeah. There's always a hyphen. It's an important um, hyphen. <laughs> and so, yeah, and I will get into why for mine in yes. a minute. Okay, quick plot. Artists, writers, and thinkers gather at a country English country home and philosophize and flirt with each other. Not heavy on the plot, this book. No. No, no, no. And we all know how I enjoy books with no plot. Just They're just my fave. <laughs> it's very much is a character study. You know, there's like this cast of, you know, five or six people that are at this house, you know, like for several weeks, just having kind of an ongoing like summer party thing and men and women. And they're very like, they're all creatives in some way. Yeah. And it goes... It does go from, like, all their viewpoints. So there's not mm-hmm. one narrator of the story. Um, it'll, like, 
read chapter one will be about one of the guys and then chapter two will be about one of the girls and then it'll move back and forth all between them and i honestly can't even tell you any of their names anymore of the, characters. the main one is named dennis yes and then he there's mary and, and Anne, Anne are the two women yeah. and he dennis likes Anne, but she doesn't like him back mm-hmm. um and but yeah it very much it feels like a first novel it feels like a writing exercise because he's trying out writing these different characters he's basically set them in a setting like something that he probably had in his real life mm-hmm. where like he's he's in a he was in like, there's like a a bunch of authors from that time in england had a cricket team that they were all on together and he was one of them like they you know and so it feels uh yeah very much like a practice <laughs> yeah and it's um also i just remembered one of the names mr barbecue smith oh yeah that one's memorable that barbecue made smith. me laugh um it's very much like all of these artists are in this one house and you're getting to view. Um, I love that you used modern, like how they see the world going. Yes. And then you hop to the other person and, oh, isn't cubism so out of style now? And then the next girl's like, but I've been studying cubism and he's being too literal. Like, yes, like you, you want to see a classical painter do like exact figures like real life, but ugh, in a modern painter, it's just disgusting. Yeah, it was a... <laughs> One, I think that um, I'm not sure who this book was really written for because there are so many references that I knew were references to like arts or styles or things of the time that I didn't get. But then I was sitting there and I was thinking the average person back then wouldn't have gotten these either like he did this for himself this felt well, like it, it feels like it's for... just written for his friends that are at these kind of parties for him and then i and then it made me wonder i wonder if these any of these characters very closely resemble someone he knows and yeah. maybe they were like a celebration of that person or a dig at them um yeah so <laughs> so it, it, it definitely kind of feels like oh our friend wrote this new book oh why am i in here and he's making fun of me for being too into um like trying to get a hold of the spirits which is so funny because there's a character in this book who um, is a, is sketching. That's what she does. I can't remember her name. Jane, something like that. I don't know. She sketches. And, like, he finds her sketchbook, and it's mm-hmm. all, like, mocking sketches of them. Yeah, caricatures. Yeah. And I was like, that's really – I found that little moment funny because I was like, but this whole book is caricatures. Like, Well, so that cool. that part is, like – part of the thing that redeems the book for me because um so this is the part this is what maybe that i liked about it so the main character dennis is a poet and he's getting into writing prose and he's comes to the party and he's telling the other guests that he's started writing a novel and one of them is like what's it about and he's like oh the usual things and then the other character is like i'll describe the plot for you Little Percy the hero was never good at games, but he was always clever. He passes through the usual public school and the usual university and comes to London where he lives among the artists. He's bowed down with melancholy thought. He carries the whole weight of the universe upon his shoulders. He writes a novel of dazzling brilliance. He dabbles delicately in amour and and disappears at the end of the book into the luminous future. <laughs> and every book we read that was written in the 1920s, that's the plot. <laughs> That is funny. And then Dennis, the character, is like, oh, my novel is nothing about that. But then in his internal voice, he's like, I got to throw away what I've written so far. And it's so funny because I feel like Aldous Huxley knew that every writer of his generation is writing the same book. And he was trying. He is making fun of it. He's making fun of that, like, male wish fulfillment books of that era. Yeah. 
And yeah. I, and I love that. And then later on, when he, the dentist, he sees that woman's sketchbook and he sees that she's made a funny sketch about him and he has this like existential crisis that, uh, that wait, other people are full human beings with internal stories, oh, yeah. and and they they think about me and just like I think about them, and he's shocked, and it's just like you're make you have to be making fun of this because it's so ridiculous and it's such a stereotype about men in particular in the world, um, that he's so stunned, and then he he like basically like flees the party, yeah, he does just run away um, because he can't handle the thought that other people like might like him and be critical of him the same way that he is of his friends. I do like that connection, I guess. So I just thought like considering how much we talk in the podcast, but we really hate books written in the twenties. This book is the most, uh, it's more self-aware, which is refreshing. And I wouldn't say that it doesn't still do that itself, but it's at least it's self-aware about it, which makes it better. Yeah. I did. Um, something I thought was interesting. Just like, a funny, um, I was annoyed. So I listened, I read part of this uh, in paper and then I realized that that wasn't going to work for me. So I listened to the rest of it on audiobook. <laughs> um, and, um, there's a couple of times in the book where Dennis like perseverates on a word. Like mm-hmm. one of the words Car- is carminative, right? Yeah. And then the other one is curves. And mm-hmm. then there's one other, he does it like three times. Um, and, the curves one happens in the first like three pages of the book and he talk thinks about curves and he says the word curves over and over. And when I was reading it in paper version, I was really irritated by that. But then when I was listening to the guy illustrated, I was like, that is a conversation every human has had where you like say a word and then you're thinking about it and you're like, what does that word curves and you say it enough times that it starts to sound weird and then you're like but what does that word really mean and why Mm." and like you like Mm -hmm. suddenly realize you've said that word like 40 times in a row and you've just been thinking about one word for 15 minutes um and I feel like that's a very universal yeah they make that joke on how I met your mother where I feel like you say a word enough times it loses me and they're like bowl bowl yeah bowl (laughs) and so I thought that that there were a couple there were long stretches of this book where I just kind of zoned out. And then there were other times where like briefly I was like, Oh, I can see that I'm going to like his writing in the future. Like I like brave new world. Yeah. But I'm just not fully in this first book. Yeah. I, I liked it. I liked the characters. I I thought it was funny. Like there's a part where, one of the female characters comes and like steps into the bedroom. The other one, the other girl character before they go to bed. And she's like talking about like repressions are bad, right? Like I shouldn't be repressed as in, I should try to lose my virginity during this party. And the other girl's like, well, yeah, I suppose. And she's like, and there's the experience is good. Yeah. Experience is (laughs) good in general. And then she just takes it as like, yes, I need to try to lose my virginity. And then she tries to unsuccessfully seduce Everyone at the party until she finally finds someone. I was like, doesn't she end up sleeping with she someone? She does end up sleeping with someone, like, who just comes for, like, one day. And leaves, because yeah. he has many women. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's really hilarious. And, um, yeah, I I also, like, there's a part where, this part isn't funny, but some one of the characters was talking about how, at the beginning of the war, World War I, um, I used to think that I really suffered through imagination and sympathy with those who physically suffered. But after a month or two, I had to admit that, honestly, I didn't. 
Um, even And even though I have a more vivid imagination than most, one is always alone in suffering. That fact is depressing when that one happens to be the sufferer, but it makes pleasure possible for the rest of the world. And mm-hmm. I thought that that, like, is a good... That's a really good, like, post-World War One synopsis that mm-hmm. we, we don't... Um, you didn't really suffer if you weren't in the trenches, like, not in the same way those people suffered. And if you're thinking about that as, in, like, an era when, like, people who got shell shock were executed, you yeah. know, it's an interesting thought. Um, I also, touching on the World War One thing, sorry, I was just looking at my book, there is a section where he's a priest or a... Reverend, like a reverend. an Anglican reverend. And, yes, and he um, he retells his like best sermon sermon he's <laughs> ever given, and his whole sermon is about how the end is coming, yada yada yada. But and it's about the signs of end times or the things that happened in World War One. And at the end, though, or somewhere towards the end of the sermon, he says something along the lines of like, "What's happening in Germany isn't done. We shall see when it comes again." And I was like. <laughs> Huh, that's funny because you wrote this before World War Two. Yeah, and World War Two did come. Yeah, I think you're right that you can like see that he's gonna be a great writer and he's he's clever. Yeah, and he's funny and he has a like a good way with words. Um, but like, you know, probably maybe don't need to read this book. Just skip to the stuff from. Yeah, like I I didn't enjoy this book, but it was not. It was interesting seeing someone's first novel where they're just like playing with things. Um, because one of the other things he plays with in this book is one of the characters is talking about his vision of the future mm-hmm. and his vision of the future is the dystopian world that Aldous Huxley writes about in brave new world. Yeah. Both that like babies are going to be made in test tubes. And then also that there's a later part in the part where it's like, uh, everybody's going to be in three classes the like intellectuals the like crazy people who are like like the religious leaders who like have a lot of zeal and then like the common denominator and that the common denominator is going to be controlled we're going to tell them that they're so great and their lives are perfect and then they'll be the happiest people and ever. that they're going to be controlled by drugs yeah and that um they talk about how they're going to be controlled by drugs that bring them pleasure and that's what controls them because they're sedated by their constant pleasure and i was like oh that's kind of cool that he then yeah, it's cool to see the seeds of it coming. So through. yeah, like I didn't, I didn't enjoy it, but I also like enjoy what I saw in it because of the fact that I've read another book by him. I'd be interested to read a couple of his other books. Yeah, because he didn't write all, like all dystopian. That's yeah, um, and so I'd be interested to read a couple of his other books um, that were more in the middle between now and Brave New World to see how his writing develops um, because I thought that that was an interesting little look. Yeah, because he must have been pretty young when he wrote this. Yeah, I wonder. I didn't like look that Like in his 20s, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I bet he's probably the age of the, the main character, Dennis, like 23, 24. Probably. Yeah. So that's why that's why it's so funny that he's making fun of authors writing their wish fulfillment books when he yeah. is, in fact, writing, writing his, his wish, wish fulfillment, fulfillment yeah. book. Um, yeah. No, overall, it was. I, I, I was a 1920s book I didn't hate. Well, well, that's that's a step. I mean, for you, that's like, great. This was a good book. I liked it. I thought it was funny and interesting. I don't it's. If you really love this author, it's worth coming back to this one mm-hmm. um, to see the progression because that's interesting. But um, should we say if it's going to go on the list? <laughs> sure. Yeah. One, one, two, three. No. Because no. I think you can just um, 
Like, it's not the, his best example of his work, which I wonder if Brave New World is on the list or not. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, because it would be weird if this was the only Huxley book that made it. Yeah. Uh, that would be a surprise. <laughs> I do think, um, like, if I were to say, because similar to the last book, this isn't a book that I think is without merit. Um, I think that if you're someone who um, reads a lot of 1920s books, you might want no but you might want to read this book that kind of pokes fun at the tropes um or if you're someone who really enjoys character study and is not a plot person you would probably like this would be a cool book for you to read yeah and usually books that are just character study are a lot from to me a lot harder to read than this like they're more dense and like draining for me personally to read. This felt pretty light and breezy, but it was still character study. Well, and it was um they were talking so much about their philosophies in life, but the chapters were so short. Yeah, that was part of it. The structure was good. <laughs> yeah, so it was like um four pages of someone going on and on about the reasons they liked their art. But because it's only four pages, you don't really have enough time to get bored. Yeah. Maybe it's also just because we read this one so shortly after you read Bleak House, which was just so long and wordy that I was like, oh, I can like it just because it's like breezy and fast. <laughs> 150 pages? I can read 150 pages of anything. Exactly. If only 2666 was only 150 pages. <laughs> if only Look uh, Homeward Angel was only mm, 150 pages. Yeah. It could have been. That's the thing. To be long, you have to justify it. Uh, and they don't. No. Bleak House did justify yeah. it. Crime and Punishment? Justify, Justify it. it. We're not anti-long books. No, in fact, I love long books in general, but oh, yeah. you gotta edit. <laughs> yeah, no, so this doesn't belong on the list, but it is pleasant that we've had two books in a row that aren't on the list, but we didn't despise. Yeah. That we were able to find some merit in. Because it is kind of disheartening sometimes when we have two or three books in a row that I'm like, where was the point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to bring up that uh, I have, have a very specific memory of when we were in high school, one of the years we were had to, we were like put in small groups and we had to read a book. And oh my, do like a I know what you're about, about to do. I know. Here. And I wasn't in your group, but your group did Brave New World. And I had this like vivid memory of like all you guys like holding up like glasses cons- i made out of colored construction paper saying t- that you're deltas uh-huh. um from brave new world and that's like that image has been locked in my and mind we, for like, 20 years we had like a like a thing we like uh, something about what whatever the deltas and you all said it in, in unison yeah <laughs> in like a robot voice yep. <laughs> uh, i wonder if the phrase would come back to me if we read that book probably oh, yeah, i'd immediately be like that's what we said on repeat because yeah. it was from the book yeah, in that same project, this is a bit of a tangent, my group read, like, Water for Chocolate, which has a ton of sex in it, and then, including, like, he picked her up on the horse, and they galled away while having sex on the horse. Which, <laughs> and so we were just not like, practical. how do we, and it was, like, pivotal to the plot, and so I was like, how do we do this in the presentation to talk about the book? <laughs> Uh, I don't remember what we did, but I'm sure we didn't mention it directly. But we, when we were reading it, we were like, I can't believe they're letting us read this. <laughs> we were just like, ooh, food that affects people's emotions. That's fun. I've never read that book. It's not. You don't need to go back to it. It's There's other books with a similar premise, right? That like, oh, the woman puts her emotions into the food and then you feel them when you eat the food. Yeah, isn't Fried Green Tomatoes the movie like that? 
that it's not but it's not magical realism oh it's like it's kind of more like oh yeah of course because emotionally it's like that but in this book it's like it's magical realism like she's she's making the wedding cake because when her love is marrying someone else and she's crying and then everyone who eats the cake dies (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that (laughs) well Um, you know but it, yeah, I was just like, this didn't seem like a book for school. And I'm surprised it was one of the ones we could pick. That teacher was very lenient in that she trusted us because we were AP students. Yeah. And it was probably close to the end of senior year and it was yeah. do whatever. She was a great teacher. Yeah, she was good. Um, So what book are we reading next? Our next book is called The Swimming Pool Library, which is a great title. Yeah. <laughs> do you think it's about a library that's in a pool or a pool that's in a library? What if it's um, a library that was destroyed in water? Oh, that's good. I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm very excited for this book. Um, And until then, you can find us on... You can find us at 1001 Books Podcast on Litzy and Goodreads, at 1001 Books Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email us at... 1001 Books Podcast at gmail.com. Great. All right. Well, until next time, happy reading. reading.